Welcome back, guys. Today's new episode brought to you by by myself, Mandulero. And uh, today we have a special guest straight from London, but his origin is Ita- Italia. He was born in Italy. And uh, Francesco Cracolici. Yeah. Did I pronounce? Like my mom would say. Oh, wow. That's great. So What do you do for a living? I am... Um, Investor. So I'm a first of all, I'm a former entrepreneur. So I did a company that I sold, mm-hmm. and then from that day, I'm doing the best job on the planet that is investing. So I'm looking at geniuses around the globe in emerging markets. So in markets they're not fully developed, uh-huh. and I give them a bunch of money to create amazing companies, helping the countries to move forwards, helping the population to have a better life. And helping people lift out of poverty. So what I do, I go wow. around the globe, find the best ideas and the best geniuses, and help them to become success stories. Right after hearing that, it feels like you are the God. There's some people like, God, please help me. And suddenly you can come out and, uh, you know, brings the wish come true. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, never happened in my life, but I wish I wish it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, what happened is we, we give them some money and they geniuses and they do whatever they do and they become multi-millionaires and I make a bit of money out of it. And that's the job. The reason why Mongolia is that we're now looking to fund five to eight startups, for five to eight ideas from Mongolia that in the future will help million, the, mil, the three millions Mongolians to live a better life. Uh, the, the 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 thing is called Star Venture and is made by EBRD. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm here. That's great. That's great. It's really great to have you. And uh, how, how do you feel uh, about the, your project? Uh, what we need to know. Uh, what do we need to know? Only with the related to uh, this uh, Star Venture. Yeah. So again, program. If you have a startup, I'm telling you two things. I'm telling you about Star Venture. If you have a startups. Just go on, start look look up for Star Ventures and uh, apply. Give me your information, and the winner will receive five thousand, fifty thousand US dollars grant, so for free, literally for free. And uh, what I'm telling you is, as someone that has traveled and and invested in more than fifty countries, mm-hmm. from Ethiopia to Kazakhstan, San Francisco, whatever, Brazil. I can tell you that you guys, Mongolian, you're gonna rule the world. I never like you're super smart, super intelligent, honest. You guys are great. Mm-hmm. Very happy to be here. All right. I want to know two things. Mm-hmm. First of all, yep. Uh, one is your history. How do you end up like this? And uh, what was the reason that you related to this? Uh, Seed investment and venture capitalist and all those things. This, this, so all this project, how it started. Uh, of course, it's related with your past, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you started your own business when you were 16 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. So all these things make you who you are today. So yeah. I want to know that part and I want to make my audience knows it first. And then we talk about 
the special knowledges that you have. Nice. So that's the story. Very happy family, very happy childhood. At 16, we had a bunch of problems and I happened to quit school. After I quit school, I, um, at 16, with nothing, I start working as a sales guy, selling whatever I could. And then what happened is that at 19, we created a company and it didn't... So we did a bunch, did a bit of revenue, around a million in revenue. And then uh, we had a fight with the co- we had a receiver acquisition offer. We had a fight with the, between the founders. I left and the company failed. Then after that, we had another company. What was the product? What, uh, what, what, what you guys were doing? It was a um, SaaS for Italian entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. So a software for Italian entrepreneurs to sell abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't working at all, to be honest, but we do. That's why we failed. <laughs> <laughs> but I was selling. I was selling mm-hmm. it. And then after, then after that, I created another company. And uh, the company was a SaaS, always a SaaS for some sort of mobile agency, let's say. So it was some sort of media agency that we sold. And after that, I had the poor kid. This, this, this is called the poor kid trauma. So you, and you start by being very poor and you think that your life is a bit shit. Then what happened is you end up having good money. So at a certain point in my life, I was traveling once a month to the States. I was living in a super cool flat in the middle of London. I was having time of my life. Uh, but I still felt very sad. So I thought, what's going on with my life? Right mm-hmm. now, I've got money. I felt sad because I didn't have money. Now I've got money if it's sad. What's the point? So I went out on traveling and I started by reading so many books, literally one every two days I would read a new book and I kind of find one of the book was called Prosperity Paradox. What does this book talk about? This book talks about how the best thing you can do for the planet is creating or investing into startups or mark or new technologies or innovation companies that Mm -hmm. could give access to people better services whatever why because once you do that the whole country the whole population will have more access you create more jobs and the population will have uh, better services Mm -hmm. and this will create a flywheel effect that will advance the whole country just to give an example in the 1800s Rwanda and United States were at the same level, so mm-hmm. the same income. The only thing is that in the United States, it was very, very easy to create a company and make it a success. In Rwanda, it wasn't. And as a result, the Rwanda grew at 0.7% year on year, while the States grew at 1.2% year on year. And after 200 years, US is US, Rwanda is Rwanda. And this 0.7% to 1.2% is mostly due to what? To, let's say, the startups, the, the new companies. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I want to make something good with my life, so I'd rather invest in this. So I decided to focus pretty much on investing, and I work with a, for a bunch of big accelerators, one in Paris, one in Silicon Valley, and then now with DBRD, and then I hope we, I'm, I'm also with this fund called CrossFund when we do invest in around four to five startups per month. Per month? Yeah, in okay. around two million per month in all emerging markets. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the results has been great, not from just a monetary perspective, but also from an impact perspective. Just one of the startups that we met, they were creating, a, let's say, a way for you to sell bracelets or necklace or whatever you want via WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Egypt, I thought it was the stupidest idea on the planet. <laughs> but the guy was very smart, so I thought, okay. You're stupid. The idea is stupid, but you're not, so let's do it. Right uh-huh. now, the company is worth half of a billion and is giving job to 70,000 families. Wow. What does that mean? The 70,000 families that are now, that now can jump from level two to level three of poverty. What does that mean? Just from level three to level two. It mm-hmm. means they now can afford a laptop or a or, or a computer or a internet internet for the children they now can fix the leaking roof they now don't have to walk 10 miles to get the water they now can have they now can afford the children to go to high school and they now can maybe afford a moped rather than a bicycle or whatever and these are ch- just so 70,000 families have a life change because of those guys and that's a good way to wake up in the morning and think yeah nice that's an amazing Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And uh, yes, uh, and uh, second question. Yes. Is uh, everybody asks, mm-hmm. what is the fastest way of making money? So, I've seen a lot of, like I've seen people trying to make money every day. So, you always make money if you try hard enough. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is wake up and don't go to sleep until you make money or pass out. So <laughs> let's say today, you. so th- th- this is the fastest way to make money. I don't know, but what you do is basically you say, okay, I want to become a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You close yourself in your room and you start trying to find a way to become a millionaire. Then it will be very, we're going to spend 12 hours doing nothing and then you're going to be so tired that you sleep, you wake up and you do that again. And I can tell you in like probably in six years, you would, five years, you'll be a millionaire. Easy peasy. So just work as your ass off. I can tell you what I've seen working very fast is mm. just copy whatever is working and apply in your country or your local or something else. So you just see there's a guy that is doing an e-commerce and just do a copy and paste in Mongolia where there's no this e-commerce. Or you, there's a guy doing, I don't know, a startup doing uh, Uber and you just do it in, there's already do Uber in Mongolia, so kind of, but just copy Mm-hmm. Uh, is they working? So those gu- these guys to find this money making machine, they probably spend years and years of trying trial and error. You just copy paste and you save a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So this is the fastest way. Okay. Now the fastest way is go- just uh, get a, get a, get a knife, get a pistol, go to the bank and rob. <laughs> but it's not a reliable way. <laughs> it's not. A rel- <laughs> it's, don't try this at don't home. Don't try this at home <laughs> unless yeah. unless you really can do that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, now, now that we made the money, mm-hmm. we made the money the, with the fastest way, right? Yeah. So how do you feel when you lose that money? Based on experience, based on your experience, tell us, losing money, when you f- first ever you lost your money, yeah. how, did, how did it feel? It felt? And uh, what was the reason? Mm-hmm. So I lose money every day. And we do invest in conferences, they don't make it, so we lose money. The thing is, so I'm telling you one rule that I learned in my short, but fun life, is that 
the more you are afraid of something, the likelihood that they happen will be longer. So if you if you ever seen the last dance and you see Michael Jordan, where the only thing he talks about is about how whatever he does could be a success. He never talks about how his shot could be a failure, right? So and this is the main thing I've seen in all the successful people. They focus on the good outcome. Mm-hmm. They never focus on bad. And they kind of attract the good outcome. So the more you're afraid of losing money, the more you're going to lose money. 100%. So just don't be afraid. Then money, fucking cares, it's just paper, right? Mm-hmm. It's literally paper. You have your things to live, to survive. Of, of course, don't lose money that you need. But everything else, it's just pay. Who cares? Just have fun. Uh, at least that's what I tell me, myself, to do not cry every day in my closet. Uh, with that said, um, yeah, so... Uh, it's just an experience losing money. You just learn and go on. And then there's something called if you have someone of you ever learned this book called anti anti fragility. Uh, losing money is the best way to earn money because you you basically learn a lot of experience. And if you lose a small small amount of money every day, you learn a lot. And then at a certain point, you'll be in a position where you know so much that you can do that. So just lose all the small amount of money you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you lost your own money? that you made uh, spending so much energy and time and effort and you lost it. How did it felt? Yeah, so one thing, whenever you guys, whenever like I hear interview online or podcast uh. online, what happened is the guy just bragging about success and about did this and, and you feel yeah. like, and you start feeling stupid, right? Because you like, you says, oh wow, this guy is so good, he never failed while I'm failing so much. The reality is that there's like, for every successful project, there's like 500 projects that fail and just never discuss it. So when I was very young, I start a company that was doing some sort of tool, SaaS, and I spend all my money on it and uh, for, for sales, so, so, like some SaaS for sales. Mm-hmm. I spend all my money on it, I spend all my energy on it, and we happen to don't even find our client. And uh, it was a wreck. It was like my life was, I thought my life was over. But the reality is that you wait three, four days, you get a new idea and you start on. So um, the whole point is this. If you try long enough, you're always going to make it. Always. All the startup that I've seen so far, that's has a big success because they try long enough. So this is a, not a game of being smart. It's a game of survive. Mm-hmm. You just need to survive. You just need to fail, 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 fail. And then one day you don't care anymore and then you succeed. Mm-hmm. Just now you quoted the last dance uh, from Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, you mentioned them, uh, about the winner's mentality. Yeah. You know, when it comes to mentality, there's uh, something set minds, some some spot that uh, those uh, winners put those minds in some spot that uh, never goes, maybe never goes backwards. It only goes forward, right? What do you think uh, we should uh, know by this time? You know, developing country as Mongolia, you know, a bunch of those countries that you visited, 50 plus countries. What's the mindset we should have by, by this period of time? Mm-hmm. So... As a job, my job is I have to spot millionaires and billionaires. That's, that's my job. I need to see a bunch of people, understand which one of them will become a millionaire in five years' time, six years, ten years' time, and then uh-huh. give my money. That's so I, I trained by profession to spot millionaires. 
I myself read so many autobiographies and focused so much on this that um, I felt like I kind of had some sort of understanding. And I know a thing that, so I wasn't a win, like I can say that I wasn't a winner all my life, but then once I learned this small thing, I quickly became one. So there is this psychologist called Albert Bandura. Albert Bandura is the number one living psychologist on the planet. Why number one is the one that is most cited, is the cited the most, is one people talk the most about him than anyone on the planet when it comes to psychology. He discovered that something called self-efficacy, that basically says... Self-what? Efficacy. Ah, efficacy. He says that if you are a basketball player, okay, mm-hmm. you are as good as you think you are playing basketball. So if you think you're good, you're better. If you think you're shit, you're shit. So you create your own reality at a certain point. Now, how can you trick your mind to think that you're good? Because if you're shit, you're shit. There's nothing you do. You can't, but there's a way you can help yourself. And this is by... by so your mind doesn't understand the difference between reality and imagination. So if you imagine something that is very, very let's say, scary or sad, okay, you're going to be sad. It's not reality, just imagination, but still you're going to be sad. Mm-hmm. It means that if you imagine something that puts you in a position that you feel you very powerful, then you become very powerful. So when you have to play basket, the, ma- the dirty advantage you can have is pretend, say to yourself, and imagine yourself that you already score. Once you do that, your self-efficacy will be so high up. So if you... Think of yourself that you already scored. And you think on a certain emotion. Think of the emotion you had if like you just scored. And you feel like this success feeling coming in because you just won the match. Then when you go playing, you go playing with this image in mind. And you go playing thinking that you already won. Think, so you already think of yourself that you're better. And you play better. So it's all about pretending you already have the success. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let me think about something. Yeah. Mm. I'm the best podcast maker of this world by now. You, no, you it's know? not by now. It's by yesterday. By yesterday. You already made yes, it. Yes. Right now you just it. enjoy. I'm the Latter King of yeah. podcasts. You Joe Rogan. I'm the, Joe Rogan. I'm the Joe Rogan. I don't know who's the best one, but uh, old but past is the Latter King, right? Mm. So... He's up there looking at us. Hey, Larry, I- I'm you, <laughs> but the Mongolian w- version of you. Yeah. And I'm having a Francesco on my show, so I'm the best one. Yeah. So the best one want to know what's the the three most important aspect to have those startups to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, this part, I want to relate with uh, what you do for a living. But mm-hmm. afterwards, I want to relate with your person, the private life. Okay. Yeah. So startup-wise, mm-hmm. okay, if we talk about, I invest in something called seed stage. What does that mean? When the startup is basically an idea and a product that doesn't work very well and a bunch of revenue mm-hmm. that we don't have, I'm not actually sure where it comes from. So let's say I'm doing an e-commerce and I sell socks. It means that the e-commerce is not that good and uh, I don't know how to find clients, but I have, I don't know, a bunch of clients and this is the stage I invest in. Mm-hmm. Now, when uh, it's all about 
the team. It's all about, is this person smart? Why? Let's pick Amazon. Why Amazon is successful? Because success means money. They make money, right? Mm-hmm. If they wouldn't make money, they wouldn't be success, right? Amazon zero revenue is not Amazon. It's a failure. Yeah. So first of all is money. Now money. Where money coming from? Money is coming from <laughs> strategies. So mm-hmm. it's like Amazon is product and sell products. So it's about what products they have and how they sell it, right? There's two things. Now, where does products and selling strategy come from? There's a guy or a girl that decide that they want to put their product there. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's a guy or a girl that create these marketing strategies, right? So now, it's all about decision and tactics and strategies. Now, again, success is money. Money is product and sales. Product and sales is decision and strategies, okay? Decision and strategies are results of how smart you are and the experience you are. Mm-hmm. Because some people are very smart, they can figure it out themselves. Some people are just stupid, but they have seen so much that they know. So when you have skills and when you have experience, then you make good decision that brings you good product and good sales, that brings you money, that brings you success. Now, skills and experience, where do they come from? People. So at the end of the day, it's all about people. The reason why every company is success is because there's a mind behind it. I mean, there are exceptions. There is the, the guy that invests in Bitcoin and now is a multi-billionaire. I can name so many stupid, stupid people that made millions because they literally, they bought cocaine online <laughs> in the early 2000s with Bitcoin. They forgot they had Bitcoin. Like, so many. Now, what are the main characteristics of success? Mm. I'm Mr. No One, so I'm not able to tell you, but I can tell you what are, according to Stanford, the main characteristic of success in a person. There's this guy called Binet. Binet, you behavioral scientist in Stanford that invented something called IQ. Mm-hmm. And they ask him, is the IQ a good measure for predict success? Is the guy that invented IQ? And he says, absolutely not. So what is Mr. Binet? So wait, well, there's three things. Successful people, A, think by goals. So they don't think, when you ask them what you're gonna do, what's your goal next week, they have, a, they, they have an answer. When you ask them what's your goal next, mi- next month, they have an answer. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing is discipline, okay? So discipline is huge. And I can tell you every, every, every successful person I know, they just go there and do the work. Like, think of me and you, right? So I'm a very bad basketball player, a very good basketball player. But, if I train 10 hours per day, in one year, I'm going to beat you. So discipline is the second predictor of success. Third thing is the ability to persistently go on. So just if you never give up, you're going to get more hours, more hours, more hours, and you're going to get there. The most successful startups I have seen are people that have tried to succeed for 15, 20 years straight. When you do 15, 20 years straight, who can actually beat you? No one. So these are the three things. Persistence, discipline, goal setting. Mm-hmm. There's All no right. smartness. There's nothing. There's not how fast you are. There's not how charm you are. There's no connection. These are the three things according to the most famous behavioral, behavioral science on the planet. Okay. Thank you. Now, uh, here we are. Right after our conversation started, we uh, started a company, we invested, we got investment some, from some people, 
and uh, we now know what's the mindset we should have and what is the most important aspects to run the startup. Now we have money. Mm-hmm. We started selling products. We have money. And uh, what is the timing of selling this company? What do we should know mm. to sell the company? What's the most important uh, recommendation that you should uh, you give to those people who wants to sell the company? Nice. So sell the company. That's how the process works. There are some exceptions that I'm going to tell you later, but this is the actual process. Uh-huh. The com- to sell the company, surprise, surprise, you need a buyer. You never will feel it's very, very difficult to find a buyer if you don't do unless four million in revenue at least. Mm-hmm. Okay? So four million in revenue is the threshold. After four million, it's easy, easier to find a buyer. It's not easy, but it's easier. It doesn't mean that you're doing 3.9 million, you never find a buyer. It means that that's usually the threshold. The company that got acquired below four million in revenue usually are like about to fail, or the founder just went away in Mexico. Uh, with a with aviados and now you just don't want to be there anymore <laughs> and it's like okay just gonna sell it but usually four million is the threshold after the four million between four and twenty million you find a buyer again there are exceptions so the people that go buy etc but between four and twenty million you find the buyer and between after twenty million is the buyer that finds you that's the rule mm-hmm. now how much money you get you usually get a multiple of either revenue or EBITDA. What is EBITDA? Profit. Mm-hmm. Let's say like this. Yeah. So with the revenue of the profit, you can expect something between, I mean, depends on the industry, from 7 to 27, something like this. On on the revenue of fair shares, if you are a software company, if you are like a manufacturer company, it's like one or two. If you are a food company, it's one or two, the revenue. So you're doing 4 million and you get sold for 4 million. Or if you are a SaaS, you get sold usually between 3 to 5. Okay. The more you become big, the more the multiple grows. That's why the public list company, they have higher multiple than the small company. Mm -hmm. There are some exceptions to this rule. In the last years, there's been growing a lot of aggregator business. What is an aggregator business? Is a company that has has, as a main goal, the one to find other companies to buy that do similar things and put them in the same bucket and mm-hmm. integrate the cost. I'll give you an example. Let's say you have, um, you are into cars. Okay. No, you know, it's okay. Let's say you are into basket, right? So no, let's go back to the car. Okay. <laughs> no, but I don't have the example of the car. So okay, let's say yeah. you are into, I don't know, toys. Toys. Okay. okay. Toys. You find a company that is, you find a small e-commerce company that is doing the, Cars, toys cars, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then you find a small company that is actually doing toys for toddlers, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you find a company that is doing uh, dolls. Okay, what you do is you buy them all. Mm-hmm. So every company has its own warehouse, its own team, its own marketing team, its own staff, etc. Yeah. So what you do is you buy them out, you buy them, put them all together and create a brand. Mm-hmm. The brand is called Francesco, Francesco Toys. Okay, mm-hmm. now what you do, you get rid of 
the marketing people and centralizer. You get rid of the warehouse and you do a big warehouse. You mm -hmm. get rid of the wool delivery and you have merge them everything. Yeah, you merge them everything, so you reduce cost, mm -hmm. but you d the turnover is still the same. Actually, increase because once you sell the car, you can also say the doll. Maybe mm -hmm. who knows? So you increase the turnover, you increase the you increase the turnover, you increase you decrease the cost, and you have a highly successful business by combining things together. And then there's another thing. Let's say that my valuation, my company is valued at 5x my revenue, okay? So mm -hmm. I make 10 million and my company is worth 50 million. Now, if I buy you, small company, your valuation is probably 3x revenue, mm -hmm. right? So you do a million and your value is 3 million. I do 10 million and my value is 50. If I get a loan from the bank and buy you for 3 million, as soon as I buy you, I do 1 million more revenue, so my valuation jump from 10, so 10 million become 11, so my valuation from 50 become 55, and I spend 3 million for a 5, valuation, for a five million valuation increase. So I just get 2 million more in value mm -hmm. without doing anything. So that's why company before big companies, before getting sold, they just go buy whatever they can. So they can sell for much more. And that's the strategy. Mm -hmm. In my memory, I can I recall uh, I never met with someone and talking about the exit plans. Yes. So um, you know, for the owner mm -hmm. or for the entrepreneur, that startup is like a baby, yeah. like his baby. And selling his baby, it's very hard topic because mm -hmm. we care that company as much as we care our kids. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the selling the company comes with the buyer. The idea of selling the company, yeah. when the buyer comes in, that's the right timing. Or the owner of the startup, now we're not talking about, uh, about the startup. The owner of the company should know when to exit from the project. Which one is right? Brain active. So, depends on where you are, you have people contacting you asking to sell your company. Mm. With that said, he, which one is right? Whenever you, like, if he's your company, whenever you feel is right, is right. What usually happens is that if you have a 4 million, 5 million, 10 million business, you have a normal lifestyle when you have a good salary mm -hmm. and you always work 24-7. Because being an entrepreneur is basically you wake up and you think of your company, you go to sleep, you think of your company, you have sex and you think of your company. This is the only thing in mind. There's nothing that will that will make you distract from your company. And mm -hmm. even if you're on holiday, you think of your company. Now, what happens is you have a nice lifestyle because you like what you do and you are your own boss and you probably earn good money. But you earn a salary. You earn 100, 150, 200, $180,000 per year. And you can afford an average lifestyle. Mm -hmm. When someone comes at you and tells you that you can potentially sell your company, your 4 million company for 12 million, you just start imagining that from your own that you can get a Ferrari. And you can afford it. And you can now imagine that next holiday, it won't be from Mongolia to Jakarta, but will be from Mongolia 
to Dubai. Las Vegas, Dubai. Who mm-hmm. cares anymore, right? Yeah. So this is the usual. Like this is like this is another thing. Like w- once you become a millionaire, like you can start another company. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people think. There are two exceptions. There are the people that think my company is my baby. I'm never gonna give it to you, and I never met anyone that I consider smart saying this word. And there are people that says, "Hey." My company is 4 million and I can sell it for 12. By next year, I can sell it for 20. So mm. I'm going to keep it another year. And that's strategic and it makes sense. Now, some of those people make it. Some of those people realize they didn't do that and they go back to the 12 million offer. <laughs> so, um, but like it's a game changer because when you have a company that's doing money, you have no liquid money. You have fake money. You have paper money. Yeah. And when someone say to you, "I can convert this paper money into pure money," you just accept. That's usually happen. You just accept. <laughs> okay, now I know it. Uh, so, I want to know what was the crazy startup idea that you ever met that you thought it won't succeed. Ah uh, yes, yeah, so at the beginning I thought about this guy. This guy doing <laughs> some WhatsApp e-commerce in Egypt, and I'm like, "You are stupid as fuck." Right, man, and then this guy happened to be a multi. This guy gonna be a billionaire at a certain point. So I was wrong, but I happened to believe in him because mm-hmm. he was my guy. Because the rule of investing in startups is never in, ne- always invest in the founder, and he's a hell of a guy. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, we we did it. So e-commerce and WhatsApp. It, yeah, it's basically an e-commerce WhatsApp. When you can sell, you can sell your s- stuff on WhatsApp to moms and children, whatever. You can sell whatever you want on WhatsApp. That's oh. what he did. Okay, what's the second stupid, second craziest one? Second, do you want to know a crazy one, or do you want to know? Uh, uh, do you want to know a craziest one that is not succeed, or one that I thought is never succeed and actually succeed? That's the one. Last one. Okay, so. One of the craziest thing I've done, I've invested in is um, Robocop. So it's a robot that can actually take the job of a security guard, <laughs> and it just goes around the factories and the plants, uh-huh. tasing people that is no part of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just as a taser, and, a and it's not going very well. The company. Another way, way that the startup uh, doing. I mean, what country? Is he Tun- the guy is Tunisian, but he's selling in France. Okay. And he's like, so for instance, one of his clients is Boeing. So Boeing has security guards, but the problem is security guards wants holiday. Security guard want like can work eight hours per day. Security mm-hmm. guards sometimes they fall asleep. Yeah. Robo, if you are a robot, you don't fall asleep. You don't take days off. So good. And uh, no pity, no worries. You just tease people. Wow. And uh, one of startups that I thought it will be. Uh, Very stupid idea, but then he succeeds so far. Let me think about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I met this guy that as as an idea. Mm-hmm. He, he basically what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He wanted to copy. Copy. Yeah, exact copy. All the. Let's say big ideas in emerging markets and apply them to small market. Yeah, super small market. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was I, when I was very young. And I thought it was Bush, and mm-hmm. then he started with Uber, and then he did Uber in 
if I'm not wrong, he started in Estonia uh-huh. and he sold it to Uber. And then he did it in Finland and he sold it to Uber. And then he did in and he did he did it another he, yeah, he did it in Latvia and he sold it to Uber. So basically this guy was basically creating Uber copies and selling to Uber. Uh-huh. At certain point Uber said, Stop it. And yeah, but so it works. Works like charm. Mm-hmm. That's why I say like one of the fastest things to do is just copy whatever someone is doing and exporting it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, you know, now in Mongolia, we have uh, very set mindsets and uh, we believe that uh, our country is very li- landlocked and our market is too small and to grow and then compete in a global scale that's uh, very hard and maybe maybe most of us think that's impossible. And uh, what's your perspective on that? What do you think about uh, Mongolia? Mm-hmm. Can so, we can we be global players? Yeah. So that's the thing. First of all, who is the what was the best startup ecosystem on the planet? U.S. Big com- big company, big 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 in big industry, whatever. Silicon what's the Valley. second one? The second one is Israel. Israel is seven million people. Israel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Israel is kicking everyone else. Seven million people. Mm-hmm. And they, so why? Because they're super smart. So it's not about how big is the country, it's about how good are the people. And it's about education, it's not how smart they are, because you can't control how smart they are. Finland, same thing. Finland is a very small country, all the gaming is happening in Finland. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And I can go on Singapore, like Singapore is so small, but it's like it's ruling the planet. Mm-hmm. Nice? So population is not an issue, and that's a fact. Now, being landlocked. Being landlocked could be a charm, could be a curse. Why? So if you are, if you are, let's say, surrounded by poor countries, it's definitely a curse. So in Africa, the most poor countries on the planet are landlocked because mm. their neighborhood is poor, poor as fuck. So if you are like next to you, you have, if next to you you have uh, Uganda, Tanzania, Congo, mm. Mozambique. What can you do? Literally, they don't have any roads. They don't have anything. The only thing you do is nothing. Okay? But also, the most successful countries, on the, some of the most successful countries on the planet are landlocked. Switzerland. Why? Because those guys, being landlocked, they don't focus on, they don't focus at all on resources because they cannot export. They don't focus on extracting oil. They don't focus on exports. They just focus on one thing. There is usually serving the neighborhood countries. How do you serve them? Finance. So Switzerland might be landlocked, but when it comes to finance, geez, they're great. And they learn to do finance because they've been landlocked. So being landlocked is when you are surrounded, when you are surrounded by Kazakhstan, Russia, and China is a charm. So it's actually a plus. Now, resources, okay? What's mm-hmm. the most resourceful countries and richest countries in resource, natural resources on the planet. Angola. Angola. Angola is super poor. It's a love war, etc. Yeah. There's something called Amsterdam effect. What is the Amsterdam effect? When you are full of resources, natural resources, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, especially in countries where they're actually poor and there's a love war, there's so much corruption and just focus on whatever it is, oil, diamonds, or whatever, then your economy collapses because nothing can compare with oils, diamonds, whatever. And your manufacturing, your technology, your digital sector doesn't proceed mm-hmm. and you end up being poor. So the mo- some of the most resourceful countries are also the poorest on the planet. 
So you don't have a lot. You have some resources, so copper and whatever. Coal. Coal, yeah. Mm. But you don't have a lot of resources, and that's a good thing. What you need to do is, what every country needs to do is focus on developing the IT sector as much as they can, developing technologies. Maybe you start importing, right? What you're doing right now. So the, mo the most famous, the most successful startups in Mongolia are importers. So a copycat of a European or US successful. And it's great. Mm -hmm. Amazing. What happens if you're going to train people? So this, the next 10 years, Mongolia will be full of tech experts. And these tech experts will develop solutions themselves and sell it abroad. They're going to go to Central Asia, Kazakhstan, or maybe they're going to go to China, maybe they're going to go to Russia, maybe they're going to go to Singapore. Mm -hmm. And they're going to start exporting. And that, that's when Mongolia will become absolutely terribly amazing. Okay. Let's wait that moment and let's uh, hope for the best. And um, by <clears throat> I want to know uh, when people pitch you, mm -hmm. you you already told me that you look at the founder yeah. and you invest on, on the human being, not yeah. the idea, right? Not the project. So um, when, uh, when you look at the person, you look at the personality, behavior, uh, which side you like to know first? Again, success comes from perseverance, ability to set up goals, mm -hmm. and ability to discipline, and ability also, like I guess, the ability to envision the success scenario. Mm -hmm. So, because uh, uh, the ability to, and if if I ask you who, how this is going to happen, and you envision the success yourself, mm -hmm. I know that you're gonna have enough strength to carry on the plan. With that said, how do I do that? So I speak to you. And I do, and first of all, uh, winner, win, loser, lose. So I want to see if you are a winner or a loser in life. Mm -hmm. Winners at history. Winning people leave traces. So you're starting a company. Okay, what were you doing before? Were you in a startup? Were you in a company? How, how were you in the company? Were you at school? Were you a top student or a shitty student? Mm -hmm. were, you at, were you a high school? Were you a football player, a tennis player? Were you just doing nothing? And... Uh, So most of the founders that are very successful that I know are former pro athlete or semi pro, mm -hmm. because if if you can become a former pro athlete, it means that you have enough discipline, it means that you have enough gut, it means that you have enough grit. So I look for clue that tell me that you are successful or clue that tell me that you are a failure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, successful people succeed always. And uh, once I look at the clue, I try to see if this person is disciplined. Uh, so if they keep dropping stuff and if this is the, the, first, the first project they're starting, it means they're changing mind too much. Mm -hmm. And then, then another thing I look is understanding the industry. So I will ask very, very specific questions that got nothing to do with the idea. And uh, I want to see if they know or not. Because if they know, it's actually, it means that They know the industry well, and so I can invest. So let's say I'm talking to you. I will ask you, what's the average length of a, I don't know, a podcast in uh, in the US top notch? And you will tell me, well, uh, this yeah, podcast is doing mm -hmm. X, this podcast is doing X, this podcast is doing X. I don't care. I just want to know if you know. Mm -hmm. And if you know, it means that you, you know it. And then I tell you, so, okay, what is the average tone of voice that you see? How often do the host talk? And I, was, I want to ask you information to just test the water. Yeah. And then I want to ask you, okay, so what were you doing before? And you'll be like, yeah, I was used to play basketball, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, I used to play basketball. Were you any good? If you were shit, there's something wrong. 
it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a success. But if you wear bad, why? Mm-hmm. Why you were underperforming? Did you have any problem with your physique? Do you have any problem with your mentality? But I want to know why. Mm-hmm. Okay? Maybe it's nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, finally, I want to see if you've got clear goals. And what do you think about it? So I'll say, I call you up in two weeks. What's going to happen? And you tell me, okay, yeah, I'm going to achieve this, this, and that. Okay, nice. I'm going to call you up in two weeks. And you're like, hmm, let me think. What could happen? Okay, you don't have any goal set. It's fine. Ciao, go home. Mm-hmm. These are three tricks, three tricks questions to understand if someone has the clue of success. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, let me try to invest in you. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And uh, I don't... I, I I believe in perspectives uh, that person's uh, opinions you know yeah. I for me his uh, belief in all those things is matter to me Yeah uh, do you think what 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 will happen after your death what will happen after ah okay so there's a thing I always says it's super weird so every human being on the planet we said we think that we have three major questions mm-hmm. okay And the first question that we always ask ourselves is what's going to happen after that? Mm-hmm. The second question is are we alone in the universe? The third question is the third qu- what's the third question? Ah, the third, what's sorry, the reason? What's the reason of what was the was the was the reason of, of life? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what I think is that these the real the average person doesn't give a fuck about those three questions because we already have the some of the answers, but no one knows because no one cares and no one research. Mm-hmm. Now, that, what is, what happening after that? I don't know, and I will never know. What I can tell you is there's been some very high-level research on reincarnation. They've been proven. So there is several scientists that has been, that's been studying children that have memory from past life. Mm-hmm. So apparently, in an empiric way, reincarnation might be possible. And again, you Google it, you're going to find online stories and stories of five-years-old children online. Again, they can tell you everything about someone else's life that is being proven. So they tell you about an uh, actor in the 20s that no one knows about it, but they know everything and they know more than the record itself. And there's no way, or there's no way they, a five-year-old kid can remember all this thing, even if trained, or there's no way, there's no even way to monetize this. So if you are a crazy parent and you do this for your, chi- for your children, you teach them how to lie and how to pretend they have a fake life, they didn't get any money. Like, it's not, why would they do that? Simply, some people have reminiscence of the past life. And this is a fact. But given that there's no way to make money out of it, there's not a lot of research. All the researches are financed by someone that want to make money. And of course, it makes sense, right? You want to make money of drugs or whatever, pharmaceuticals or whatever. And uh, by discovering what's happening after life, you don't make any money. So, and then when you read this news on the newspaper, you're like, yeah, bullshit, Right. But the reality is that there's been proven that some people have reminiscence of afterlife. So there's some sort of proof there's some afterlife. Mm-hmm. Or at least there's reincarnation. Okay. Okay. Тарих би энергийн хамгийн хийгэн зарцуулдаг. Тиймээс бид тарихаа маш сайн тийжэх хэрэгтэй. Тарихныг тийжэл brain active. That's crazy. So it's like uh, it's related with uh, our genetics. No, okay. We can we can yeah take our information we die and it will trans- transfer to someone else you know by making kids and and my next generation next generation next generation will come up with uh, 
with okay. the with my past life. No, so usually the people don't have any kind of connection. Uh-huh. So you have uh, a child born in Minnesota that remembers perfectly the life of an actor born oh. in the twenties. They have absolutely no connection. Basically, oh, okay. will appear just on a movie or whatever. Now. What's happened with genetics? When it, we talk about the meaning of life, mm-hmm. right? what's the meaning of life? No one knows, right? But it's been discovered that our life is deeply sh- our life, our 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 ment- our mind, our mentality, our attitude, everything is deeply shaped towards goal. There is reproduction. So every small thing we have, every small decision we take. Mm-hmm. Is based on our on our brain things, of course, and our brain is just great. On every small decision we do is based on the instinct of reproducing yourself. So it means that the your let's say the fact that you always try you always strive for happiness or you try you strive for uh, you strive for happiness is because the people that 10,000, 20,000, 40,000 years ago, strive for happiness, they survive more and then develop this striveness for happiness. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, or uh, the people that, I don't know, uh, even small things, like, I don't know, uh, it's very fairly famous that women go toilet in couple, why guys, we, do all, we go alone, right? Why? Because 10, 20, 50, 100,000 years ago, the women that will go on the toilet in couple will survive more than women to go to going to it alone. So this gene passed along and we happen to now have a gene, all have a gene, that when you go when you are a female go to the toilet, your natural instinct is finding a companion. Okay? So the reality is that every small decision that we take, we think it's psychology, we think it's like we decide, but we are inclined towards this genetic push of surviving that is embedded in our brain. And actually, the person that we mate, the person we mate with, is all about this genetic thing. So, you know, women, they like strong, powerful men because the women that back in time used to like strong, powerful men will, the, will be the one that will be protected more, mm-hmm. that will survive more, right? While guys, guys, we like, you know, a bunch of guys like innocent women because the, the guys that will like innocent women will have a partner that will probably be more faithful than someone they will basically like to go around. And it's not judgment. Like, whatever, whatever. just saying that what happened is 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, that basically what happened. And then those guys probably had more children than the guys that didn't like faithful women. So happened to pass the ge- genome. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, well, the, so there's this big, big scientist called this big scientist called uh, Richard Dawkins is the most famous uh, evolutionary biology on the planet, on the history of humankind, apart from Darwin. And when he discovered that the true meaning of life is, the true meaning of life, the true meaning of our brain is pass along our genes. It doesn't mean that is the meaning of life. It just means that our brain is completely designed to pass along our genes. And that's, and that's the answer to the second big question. That's the partial answer that we have found to the second big question that is, what's the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to talk about the main goal right today. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> our main goal is to reproduce and pass our genes to another body. Yeah, so the point is your brain is not is genetically built and unconsciously built to make you do that. So mm-hmm. it means that you're gonna find your meaning 
in do that. It doesn't mean that it's the meaning of life. It means that the meaning of your brain. Your brain forces you to do that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? What's your reason of your existence? So I, I think we the shape... Francesco's. Yeah. So Francesco's, I, yeah. I think we shape our own reality. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, uh, reality is completely fake or whatever. Uh, so we, we can create our own. And... Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Let, let me clear it. You think our rea- reality is completely fake? Okay, so that, that's a good thing. So uh-huh. uh, there has been research and research and researches. So, okay, on this. So, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. the most successful game was Pong. Pong? No, 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 on the, on the, on the computer, uh-huh. we had Pong. Or we had no, Pac-Man, okay? Ah, Pac-Man, yeah. So the best thing we used to have is uh, literally a tennis ball eating some sort of Candies. Yeah. So this is what we used to have 30 years ago, 40 years ago. 30, 40 years ago, the most advanced game on the planet was Pac-Man, right? <laughs> yeah. So tennis ball eating candies. That's the best you can get, right? You're not going to get better than that. Now, 40 years have passed. What's the most advanced game? Now you have a... VR and you have 150 people playing Call of Duty and killing each other and it seems literally the truth. Mm-hmm. It seems you're in the real world. So for 40 years time, we went from Pac-Man to Call of Duty, VR, whatever. So in 40 years, try to imagine what we can do in 10,000 years. It's basically nothing compared to humankind has been around for like 12 probably like 150,000 years. Mm-hmm. So in 10,000 years, we're going to achieve a level of simulation reality that's going to be so high, then it will be absolutely and utterly indistinguishable by the base reality. So according to the best scientists and philosophies on technology on the planet, today the chance that we are on a real life rather than a base reality, rather than a simulation, are w- one on several billions. So that's the highest chance as possible that we are living in a simulation. So this life is not true. We are probably in a computer or an headset somewhere. That's what the greatest mind on our planet will say. So my idea is that given that we are on a fake life, I'd rather do my best to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I do feel that people that... S- seek happiness all the time, they're not happy itself. Because when you seek happiness, when you seek this, seek this dopamine relief every time, you're never happy. What makes me happy and what makes, I guess, 99% of people I know happy is strive for excellence and being the best version of yourself. So having a weight is worth waiting. Having uh, a challenge is worth facing. So finding a goal and trying to push yourself hard until you get it. Well, I don't care if it's money. I don't care if it's having a family. I don't care if it's raising your children. By just having someone to fight for and die for. That's usually what I think. So what I think, at least my, how do I see life is I want to be the best version of myself, no matter what, no matter how, and I will die until I make it. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so... um What's the reason that you quit uh, social media? So, I quit social media because I felt that 
so I'm, first of all, I'm living a dream life, right? So I'm traveling everywhere I go. I meet people super smart like you and um, having a decent amount of, let's say, success in every endeavor I try. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm the perfect material for social media. I can show off the new watch, the new car, the new travel. Mm-hmm. What I realize is the more time I spend on social media, the more I feel my life is miserable. So I will be on a boat, in a, on a cruise ship in, I don't know, in Vietnam, or I will be on a party in Vegas, and I will look at social media and think, ah, this guy is having fun, I'm not. The reality is that social media gives you the feeling that people are having more fun than you, and it doesn't make you either happier or more focused. So I quit social media at all. I get into Facebook because I have some groups there that I need to check for like work and stuff once in a while. And to be honest, my life has never been easier and never been better. Uh, the um, Yeah, so I feel like that's the best option and recommend everyone to do it. The problem is that it's a bit more difficult right now to catch up with friends. Mm-hmm. But if you strive to be the best version of yourself, that's what you need to do. And you don't need to do it now. You will do it if you will do it first start by, let's say, doing less, maybe doing once a week. And then once you feel like, you just quit. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's uh, really nice to have you. Maybe it's more than nice. I I don't have a better word. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Extraordinary. Yeah. It's Unbeatable. A, Unbeatable. To have you on my podcast, and uh, this conversation went so well. We're yeah, gonna- thank you for having me. I'll be back in Mongolia, and I hope to be back here. And it's been an amazing conversation. You are a great host, and it's been tons of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, guys, uh, thanks for giving a time uh, watching us, and uh, hopefully this information helped you with uh, some way. And uh, I always uh, wish you the happiness and uh, joy in life. So see you next time. See you. За та бичлэгийн төгсгөлд ирсэн байна. Бидний бэлтгсэн мэдээлэл танд хэрэг болсон гэж найдаж байгаа шүү. Мэдээж амьдралын маягтай холбоотой өөрчлөлтийг иймэрхүү төрлийн мэдээллийг авмагцаа шууд өөрчлөн гэдэг бол худлаа. Танаас хүчин чармалт тууштай байдал шаардах болно. За тууштай байдал гэснээс бидний бэлтгэж байгаа мэдээ мэдээллийг цаашдаа үргэлж авахыг хүсэж байгаа бол Mana YouTube hostend zaawol subscribe darare. Hajutlet n baga honkhik darchkan bolol. Orjoga mitelil tsaik tukhatn tend notification hilbrir orjokhatn. Tiget hizi arn tudi tan mitelil tahkhatn mishta. In tenes yamun nigun un hilbrir akugir nikti gurjaga zushu. Bitnte asam un hilbrir tusam bitni mitelil asam merun ikhir bitlitish tahkhatn kurkustam baga. Zatiget nitrutikta aspata sanshustik comment hilbrir darulte jhatn ugu atos Instagram bolsan Facebook hostar tamjutat. Бидэнд холбогдож болох шүү. За, ямар ч таш би танаас амжилтлан гоож ин биднтэй нэгдэрэ subscribe дараагаа тэгээд хонхын тук тук дарчаарэ. За ингээд биднтэй хамт байдаг үргэлж баярлдаг шүү. Дараагийн дугаар хүртэл баяртай хайртай шүү.